Welcome to Higher Potential with Indeed. Indeed's new 2022 DNI report has just gone live. It's one of the most comprehensive studies into DNI issues in Australian workplaces. Click the link in this episode's description to get your free copy. A welcoming workplace is built from the ground up with attention to diversity, inclusion, accessibility, and openness. But the way many leaders and companies approach this is often full of grey areas, uncertainty, and quite possibly fear. Higher Potential with Indeed is here to help demystify the process through the most powerful channel possible, conversations. Groundbreaking ones too. I'm your host, Kathy Ngo, diversity, equity, and inclusion changemaker and presenter. I've spent over a decade in HR, corporate affairs, and communications, but I'm most passionate about pushing the boundaries relating to diversity, equity, and inclusion. In this podcast series, we'll tackle the issues we face in the modern workplace, from diversity and inclusion to remote working, accessibility, fair hiring practices, and more. This podcast is an initiative of Indeed.com, the world's number one job site with over 250 million unique visitors every month from over 60 different countries. Before we dive in, I wish to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are meeting today and to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islanders who may be listening. I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. According to Indeed's 2022 Diversity and Inclusion Report, 75% of LGBTQI plus workers feel unable to be open at work and as many as 63% feel the need to hide their sexual orientation at work. Whilst over the decades, Australia has taken huge strides towards recognising the issues and challenges faced by members of the LGBTQI plus community, the workplace is one area that seemingly lags behind. In this episode, we explore the importance of educating and training employees and leaders to recognise and eliminate unconscious and conscious bias to create workplaces that are more diverse and inclusive for the LGBTQI community. To talk us through this process, our guest this week is Alex Sampson, Senior Manager Diversity, Inclusion and Wellbeing Lead Consulting at PwC. Welcome, Alex. Hi, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So you have a super important role that helps to facilitate real change in the workplace. Tell us a little bit more about your day-to-day duties and how your job brings about positivity and awareness where it's needed most. For sure. Thank you so much. I love to talk about what I do. I think have the best job in the world. (laughs) It's my dream role. It's My passion is my day job. Day to day, I get to work in important areas of systemic change. So representation, belonging, transparency, cultural curiosity across an array of important dimensions of people and humans like well-being, inclusion, mental health, LGBTIQ plus inclusion, First Nations disability and accessibility. There's so much more I could talk about, but I aspire to have an impact in any organisation that can contribute to people feeling more safe, 
and experiencing that ever important sense of belonging. So I hope that I can impact others to have the same experience that I did where I felt safe to be myself in my workplace and I had never felt that before. That's what I aspire to do. I want to lead folks to thrive in all that they do in the workplace and outside of it. You mentioned a little bit earlier about cultural curiosity. What is that? Cultural curiosity is an important part of how we bring people into the fold in understanding other lived experience. So it can be cultural curiosity of experience that are not your own experience, capability uplift in terms of knowing how to speak in an inclusive way and a way that includes everybody in how they identify and how they live and not participating in unintentional microaggressions that can diminish people in who they are. When we talk about LGBTQI plus friendly recruitment and workplace practices, what are we specifically looking at and why is it so vital to get it right? When I think of LGBTIQ plus inclusive recruitment and workplace practices, I feel we're talking about a few areas of impact. One is visibility of inclusion through visuals. One is explicit inclusion through language. Another is governance and frameworks. And then we have inclusive data collection. It's really important that we get these things right as they are proven to have a huge impact on wellbeing and engagement of folks in the workplace. I also think it's worth mentioning that it's all well and good for us to have higher representation of LGBTIQ plus people and recruit more queer identifying people, but it has to be genuine. The organisation has to live and breathe inclusion and the experience that you put in your EVP needs to align to your employee experience. From the second that people enter the business across all grades, locations and business units, it can't be a misrepresentation of that lived experience in your workforce. No one likes to be the token person, do they? (laughs) No. So there's often a lot of unconscious bias in these areas, which sometimes makes it really hard to tackle. What's your advice for listeners who want to recognise any unconscious bias they may have themselves? How do we tackle an issue that we're not even aware of? Does it come down to self-education? It's an interesting question, Kathy, because unconscious bias exists in all of us, even me as a part of the queer community myself. And the only way to understand our privileges and biases is to confront them. I recommend any listeners take the first step of getting involved in listening and learning that they can do in their workplaces or their own communities. I have always found my eye-opening moments and life-changing reflective pieces where I look inwards and I go, hey, why have I got this thought? Why have I got this feeling? That always comes from storytelling and listening to others' experiences. I love that you mentioned storytelling and I was reading into your story earlier how there's a lot of assumptions made about your own relationship in a straight passing relationship. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of the assumptions people make? Of course, yeah. I do really feel that Being in a straight passing relationship as a queer person is another layer of invisibility that I wear in that when people see my fiancé and I together, we are perceived as a straight couple 
And that erases both mine and Zach's identity in a way. We are not straight. (laughs) We are both very much part of the queer community. Even when I met Zach, I very much put out there that this is who I am. I'm a bisexual woman. You're either okay with that or you're not. And from the get, he was celebrating me and advocating for me to be myself. And I remember (laughs) the first kind of week or two that we were dating, I was speaking on a panel and he immediately was like, what's the link? I'm joining. When is it? And was in the Q&A asking questions, messaging me, telling me that I was doing amazing. And it really, at that point, I was like, okay, this is a forever person. (laughs) I just think that we're so visibly open about the fact that we're in a queer relationship and that has always been the case. It's never a relationship that will erase either of our identities. Wow. I love that story. Just being really upfront in the beginning So when I think about the workplace, not many employees can be upfront at the beginning. There's a lot of hesitation. So I think the stats are about 75% of LGBTQI plus workers still don't feel open to be themselves in the workplace. What are some of the simple and immediate LGBTQI plus workplace practices that we can implement at work just to get the ball rolling in changing that story? Immediate practices to empower LGBTIQ plus people to be themselves in the workplace can be in any of those areas I mentioned before or others, but let's just start with the ones I mentioned before. Visibility through being explicit. Amend job ads to specify that you welcome and encourage applications from trans and gender diverse folks and everyone that's within the LGBTIQ plus community. This is particularly important in building diversity in your workplace and ensuring that all voices are at the table but it's a visible demonstration of your importance and support of LGBTIQ plus voices. And then visibility through language. So update your language internally to be inclusive. And this can be amendments of sexual preference to sexual orientation and preferred pronouns to pronouns. And amend your social event invites to say partner instead of husband or wife. Yeah, it's all those little subtleties that really make a big difference. PwC seems to be very, very progressive and very mindful of each employee touch point, isn't it? It's so important that we treat folks as individuals, as human, as unique, and every person is different, no matter whether they identify as living a similar experience to their peers, we all have our unique differences. That's a very important point, isn't it? Just because someone identifies as trans doesn't mean that all trans people are the same. Exactly. Everyone is their unique individual self and definitely worth celebrating. So Indeed's 2022 Diversity and Inclusion Report found that 63% of LGBTQI plus workers still aren't comfortable being out at work. Obviously, that's something we'd want to shift But what are some of the other long-term changes and larger goals in your mind? Yes, I thought about this question for a bit because I reflected on what would I want to see as a queer person in the workplace before I was out? What would I feel would make me feel safer immediately that didn't quite exist when I wasn't able to be my true self? So I thought about one area, more queer people in leadership that are able to be out and proud as leaders. We need diverse leader cohorts to make more inclusive workplaces for everyone, and that's across gender 
ethnicity, LGBTIQ plus identification, disability, lived experience. But I think from a queer perspective, if I had seen an out and proud queer CEO, I would have known that I could be exactly who I am. Yeah, that's so important. Representation does matter and it makes you certainly feel comfortable in your own skin. It's empowering, right? And it's about the representation as the first step, but then creating a safe culture so that the people who are then represented can be visible and feel safe to be visible. Definitely. Now, I want to talk about measures of success. So how do we actually measure the success or impact of these changes? It goes to what we just spoke about, right, where we can measure the success through the engagement results of the representative cohort. So if we have target of representation, like we're increasing the number of LGBTIQ plus identifying folks in the organisation, we should then measure the impact of the engagement of those people because it's no point in us recruiting a group of people that then don't have an engaging environment where they want to stay in. And so the measurement of success, for me, it's super important to ensure that the experience can empower people to continue to stay in that workforce and make a difference. You mentioned earlier about targets. Would you encourage it? Absolutely. Yes, I do believe in targets. I believe that we need to have targets for representation, but it goes to what we were saying before, that the targets need to be there. It has to do with where you're at on your maturity model in inclusion but then we need to engage those people that we're bringing in as well and make sure that we're creating a safe and inclusive culture for them to participate in. I love your point about the maturity model because I think if you're an organisation that is just getting started, it's hard to really sell the idea, to push the idea from the start. Obviously, PwC has been an inclusive employer for such a long time. So from my impression as an outsider, I see it really weaved into the fabric of the organisation. So it's a great thing. What are some of the benefits that come from investing in and creating LGBTQI plus friendly recruitment processes and workplaces? In my opinion, the benefits to the business are clear and proven through research and extensive reports on the benefits of inclusion, Um, but I'll touch on the key four, I think. So you get a better representation of the customers that you serve. Two, more opportunity to attract key talent. Three, improved employee retention by ensuring engagement and that people can be their true selves every day. And four, the business performance through diversity of thought, behaviour and actions and enhancing of decision-making, change management, innovation of products. So those areas are, I think, the business case, but I like to challenge that as well and take it away from how's this going to impact my bottom line and just say, it's actually just the right thing to do. It's an obligation for us to provide a psychologically and physically safe workplace to all of our people. But if there is just one person that will have a better experience by us creating a policy or providing a system or safe space or a particular process to support them, we should be doing that. 
Yeah, I really like how you've said that it's the right thing to do because I do agree that it is the right thing to do. We need to sometimes move beyond that business case and mindsets because it is the right thing to do. And particularly in the world of consulting, I'm sure like you're helping other customers and you need that innovation and creativity. So Exactly. And it takes us back to what we said before about treating folks as individuals and unique in that if we prioritise inclusion, our people are going to feel safer, happier, producing better work. It, for me, is an obvious choice to make your workplace inclusive. And I think that would be why PwC has that reputation as an inclusive employer is because we prioritise people. People are our business. Love it. There are so many opportunities for positive change in this particular area. Why are some workplaces still struggling to implement these crucial transformations to better support their workplace? I would say that we can't just have the people that are affected being the ones that are doing the heavy lifting. I know that I say this as a queer person doing the heavy lifting, but <laughs> this is what I want to be doing. But we need allies. And that's also a key part of how I feel I've been able to make an impact in my roles is I've had supportive leaders, I've had change makers in leadership and executive allies to support the messaging. And then we go back to this question of what does it mean to be an ally? It's not just a few days of ribbons and cupcakes on a particular day of significance. It's in everyday behaviours. People are watching you as a business and as leaders. So you send messages about inclusion, whether you try to or not, in your everyday behaviour. It's about active allyship, actively contributing to inclusive cultures everywhere you go. And one experience that I had in a workplace where I felt truly embraced was that I was having lunch with a couple of colleagues and I had someone ask me about my weekend and I shared that I was going on a date and the person that asked me the question just assumed the gender of the person I was going out with rather than me having to correct that person, which is confronting and like I do it, but it's uncomfortable. And it just really helped that the other person we were having lunch with is an ally, jumped in and softly challenged that person and corrected their assumptions so that I didn't have to do that heavy lifting. And that's what we need more of. Oh, that's amazing. You need colleagues like that. You need friends like that, leaders like that. It's great. And I identify as an Asian Australian and I've been faced with racism in, in my life and I've had people step in as well, just to say that particular comment is inappropriate. It was like a microaggression comment. So thank goodness for allies. And yeah, <laughs> otherwise it just would be so emotionally draining. Exactly. We would feel the weight of that. And so it, it helps to know that we're not in it alone. Um, we have the support of our peers or we have the support even of the folks who experience what we experience, but we also need the support of people that don't live that experience to yeah, help to spread the same message. Yeah, that's right. Has work from home and the pandemic influenced the way LGBTQI plus employees approach new roles or the workplace? Absolutely. Yeah, it's hugely negatively impacted safety. We don't connect as much with each other and social connection is crucial. It has major impacts on well-being. It's really important for us to continue to connect our people in a way that feels genuine and inclusive, whilst also recognising that we are operating in a new hybrid environment. 
I would say that this has impacted new roles for queer people by highlighting the importance of networking and the importance of mentoring and connections. I've recently been able to support a few of my own queer professional network members with other organisations that had opportunities suited to their skills. But unfortunately, not everyone has the privilege of having a strong network around them to advocate for them. So yes, I would say that the pandemic has influenced the way that LGBTIQ plus employees approach new roles in the workplace and there's more that can be done there. If there was one piece of advice you could give to workplaces and employees on supporting their fellow LGBTQI plus colleagues, what would it be and why? I am going to challenge this question a little bit, I think, for our listeners. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) I think if you're looking for one piece of advice, one idea and just one way to make a workplace more inclusive for LGBTIQ plus people, then you're not understanding the fact that it needs to be lived and breathed in everyday behaviours. It's all aligned to the maturity model of inclusion work. And yes, it needs to start somewhere, but it should start with true, clear, transparent, measurable action. It's not just one day where you can say, we like queer people and we love LGBTIQ plus people to work for us. No, it needs to be action. You need a strategy. You need a plan. Meaningful change requires work, investment, and it won't happen overnight. Yes. I'm very big on putting in the hard work. It's not about (laughs) wearing purple (laughs) on a particular day of the year, but yes, putting in the hard work, being uncomfortable as Mm -hmm. well, stuffing up. (laughs) Yes. We all make mistakes. We're human. Yeah. And you're right. It's hard to just narrow down to one advice. (laughs) I've really enjoyed the conversation. And usually the final question we ask for every podcast is, what will it ultimately take to ensure a better and more inclusive workplace in the future? I wouldn't be in my role if I didn't think that was possible. So the power is with all of us. We can all collectively change this together. Our LGBTIQ plus community, the community I'm so proud to be a part of, has seen many tragedies in our lives and in the lives before us, the lives of those of which shoulders that we stand on to be who we are today. And my question is, do we need to wait for every person to experience tragedies like that before we act? And I suggest the answer is no. If all of us, every single person, went out and made one person feel safer, more included, more cared for, I believe we would have a fundamentally different world by tomorrow. We are all responsible for approaching every aspect of our lives with care and empathy for other human beings around us. That's not just limited to recruitment. It's not just limited to the workplace. It's in everything. Love that. Thank you so much, Alex, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I love that you've allowed me to use your platform to share my experiences and speak my truth, but also to hopefully give listeners some actionable, tangible examples of things they can implement right away. You've done it all. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing your insights. Thank you for listening to Higher Potential with Indeed. Before you go and start building a better workplace, don't forget to hit subscribe and leave a review if you found this podcast helpful. If you'd like to read our full DNI report, 
click the link in this episode's description and fill out the form. Just a quick note, the views and opinions expressed in this episode by the guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Indeed. Additionally, the information in this episode does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all content we discuss is for general informational purposes only, and you should consult with a legal professional for any legal issues you may be experiencing.